Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hi, it's Allison. Welcome back to the podcast. Before we get into the Q&A session that we're going to have today, I just wanted to take a moment to address the uh, current events and the news that are happening here in Canada. I know people listen from different locations, and uh, if you're not following world events, we've had uh, a series of discoverings of mass graves uh, at the location of the residential schools where in Canadian history, up until quite recently, it was our... um, practice to remove children from um, our Indigenous families and put them in schools where they could not speak their native language, dress in their cultural clothes, and were uh, mistreated sexually, physically, verbally. Things ran rampant with diseases. When children died, they were, um, again, it was often not reported to their family. If their family found out, they often could not retrieve the body. And so we're finding these mass graves, and there's going to be more and more and more uncovered. So this is very timely and topical. And um, so I know for some parents, it uh, means that you're wondering how to have conversations about this with your kids. So um, I'm going to be speaking about this in the media soon. So I thought I will just give you folks a head up, heads up about sort of your approach. The first thing to say, I'm going to kind of do this on age-specific uh, manner here. The first thing is with little children, it's important for us to realize that you might not think that your one-year-old, 18-month-old toddler is able to comprehend anything that's happening on the television screen or looking over your shoulder as you're watching things on your iPad, but they they can't comprehend it 
But research into their emotional response and how it impacts the stress hormones, cortisol, they know violence. They know um, scary, seeing bones, seeing dead bodies. They can't comprehend it, but it does impact them. So please, for our little people at that developmental stage, it's really our job to 100% protect them from these images in these stories. We need to wait until they've got some better cognitive capacities. And then as we move along and our kids get older, the truth is we, we first of all, we need to share these stories. That's a big part of the healing. We need to be informed. Our kids need to be educated. Oh, we need to be part of the healing process. Um, and so when we have something hard to tell our kids, and this is a hard thing to share with our kids, uh, we have to remember that the job of a parent is to help the psychological uh, well-being of our kids. And so uh, kids need to know the truth. Secrets are not good. Being deceived, buffered from reality is not good. But the way in which we do it, again, has to be developmentally appropriate for our kids, not just their age, but also their temperament. You know kind of what your kids can manage and handle. So we don't lie or skew or or deceive our kids, but instead think of yourself more as a, like a sieve or um, you're filtering information. And so for our younger kids, you know, the amount of information that you give might be very general, very high level. So for a young elementary school student, um, you might say, everybody is really sad right now because we have discovered that a whole bunch of children um, were killed and not cared for and that we have done awful things to our First Nations people. And this is just being discovered now, and people are trying to figure out how to make sense of it and how to apologize. And we're looking at this this very sad, dark part of our history and trying to understand how big the problem was and that nobody listened and that nobody helped and how horrible that was and what we can do now. You know, so it might be something as general as that. And as they get older, we can start talking about not only more about the facts again how they were taken from their homes and how we uh, you know the how church and state were involved and why that just feels uh, like this and is a cultural genocide and is um, equated to the Holocaust and trying to eradicate a race and a culture and we did that right here in Canada there are books there are movies there are documentaries and we need to know that this is part of our collective history and um that that kids will often say, well, you know, I wasn't around then like that. We didn't do that. So as our kids start to get a little older and we get into more complicated topics, we need to talk about colonialism and, and white privilege and all those things. And those high school students can do a better job of of digesting and, and using their brains to try to work through what does that look like? What are other patterns in histories? Where else has this happened? Why do human beings keep doing this? And it's much more, more about being in a robust conversation over time with them. And so uh, more details, more information can come out as your child is able to handle that. And then again, the other important piece is it's not enough that we just talk. We we know, and we had this with Black Lives Matter, we need to listen. That's part of the healing process. What do we do with this now? We need to listen to those stories. We need to own that that's part of our history. If we're going to build healing bridges back between our communities, then we have to take responsibility um, for for what has happened. And so that's anything that we can do to be 
uh, respectful of the wrong. That could be in your family. You know, speak to your kids. Could you put little boots and flowers out on your front porch in solidarity um, with the grief of these families? Is it donating to some charities? Is it uh, there's going to be some Facebook Live events where people are going to tell their stories? Because we need to be a witness to their pain and we need to own um, that this is what our culture did. And um, so any gesture, lighting candles, saying prayers, asking do they have any friends that have personal stories of their grandparents, all of those things that are that are action items is what helps us say we need to take an active role in reparations and what does that look like for our family. And I think we also have to share with our children Kind of, again, like any like what happened with 9-11, you can focus on the horror of it all. Um, but we also have to remember where can we focus on the good parts, not, not to minimize how horrific this all is, but to be able to say, you know, we have a Truth and Reconciliation Council. Uh, we have dedicated money to finding these graves. Are they, you know, have we implemented, they've accepted all the 94 recommendations in the Truth and Reconciliation. Um, have we implemented everything yet? No. Has the money for finding more graves been released? No. We're frustrated with that. But we're moving, we're, we're trying to move in the right direction. So I think we need to send that, that hopeful message as well. I hope that is is helpful for you, and I think we are going to discover more, and this isn't the end of the story. There there are so many more mass graves than were uh, first reported because we have not been listening, and so I think this is going to be in the news a lot, um, and I think we, we really need to um, help our children process this, help, our, help ourselves process this, and do it together as a community. So... Thank you for uh, for hearing me out on that, wanting to share that little piece here on my podcast. Um, moving on to the questions that people have sent in. And thank you again. If you have a question, please, you can ask me through a DM on any of my social media platforms or you can email me. Uh, those contact information is in the show notes. Always happy to have questions. And um, I answer them anonymously. And today I have, hi, Allison. I'm wondering if you have some thoughts on money management for teens. More specifically, if they have a job and earn their own money, do you believe parents should monitor this? So, again, you know that everything I, I answer is through the Adlerian lens. And so what would, what would the Adlerian philosophy say about this? You're really asking a question about uh, who is responsible uh, this is rights and responsibilities for, for monies earned. And if we look through the lens of social equality, sometimes I say, well, substitute this with women. Uh, because for many, many years, women, of course, were second-class citizens, could not have their own bank accounts, could not sign a lease, could not have access to their money. Their partners would have um, treated them as chattel possessions, and they would have maybe been given a budget for spending, or they would have to uh, go through their husband to to purchase things. And uh, this is not social equality. This is a chattel. This is um, control. And it's not okay. You are an underling. And so when I think about things that happen to our teenagers, um, at this age, by the time you're old enough to earn money, if you can earn it, then it's rightfully your money. So, but then the question you said, not control it, but you said monitor it. So I do believe that, yes, it's their money. And then what's our role as a parent? If it's their role is to earn it, their right is to, 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 to keep it, have it, and spend it, then what's our role? We're educators. That's why we call it child guidance. 
parenting is about preparing our children so that they can function effectively in the world outside the family, in the next level of community. And so what are the financial literacy lessons that our kids need to learn before they leave home? And they learn them experientially, they learn them contextually, and they learn them by gosh darn making a whole lot of mistakes, which (laughs) drives parents crazy. But that's how they learn. And so what do we need to teach them? What's important for you to teach them? And how can you do that in a way that is inspirational and informative rather than coming across as personal control um, or oppression or imparting your value system that might be different than their value system. They're growing into their own people. They might decide the most important thing that I spend my money on is this $250 uh, brand name jacket for, for back to school. And you might think that's a crazy ridiculous amount of money to spend on that item. And why would you do that? But we, you know, we, we, I spend money on fancy cheese. Like, I spend way too much on groceries. My family would laugh, like, the money I spend. But it's my value. That's where I get my joy. I earn my own money. I get to spend it on the things that I want. And you can have a different value. But, like, hi, get to know me. This is me. I'm okay. So I think that um, we want to be inspirational. We can't force our values on our kids. But you're probably wanting to teach them about, you know, things like savings. And, um, you know, I think to, to, again, go to the idea of being inspirational, Boy, like teaching, using something creative where you can teach them about compound interest. Um, there's a book called Wealthing Like Rabbits, and that's one of the examples that they use is, is you know, procreating rabbits. And, you know, hey, did, did you know that if you put this $5 away off this paycheck off the top before you use the rest of the money and you let that get compound interest, do you know that that's going to turn into X amount of money when you're 25 years old? Like, you know, get playful about it. Uh, I was very impressed that my cousins whose father worked in financial markets in the U.S., uh, he started his kids off being interested in money by buying them stocks in one of their favorite brands, which at the time was, I think it was Coleco or something. And every day they would watch to see how their stock was performing. Um, and so it, it stayed in the realm of interest and playfulness and engagement, and that's where kids learn. So they're not going to handle well lecturing and you telling them what to do and judging them for their poor choices or scolding them for their, you know, their bad mistakes. But, you know, hang in there. And, um, and watch how you're modeling and, and see if you can get them interested. And, um, you know, they can speak to their bank manager. They can speak to a financial person. They should be doing their own taxes. They, but there's a lot to learn about money, and there's a lot of micro skills. And on my website, uh, I think the book is called Financially Fit Kids. And what I like it is, that, again, it breaks down all the multiple financial skills that you'd like your kids to learn. And... Um, breaks it down by age so that you can kind of think, yeah, well, what should they know by 14? What should they know by 17? What should they be doing with money when they're eight? You know, when do I cut off allowance? All those kind of great questions. So check out that resource. Um, and I hope that's uh, I hope that's helpful. And, and yeah, they'll probably burn through some money for a little bit. <laughs> Other kids don't. Other, You know, I, I had one daughter who would, we, she had an allowance and she'd decide to buy something and she would take it up to the cashier and she'd hold, hold, hold. And as soon as the cashier went to ring it in, she'd go, no, 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 no. I don't want to spend the money. I don't want to spend the money. So some kids are also like incredibly good at saving. So there, there is a financial style um, that happens with our kids too. Uh, next question here. What do I do? My ex wants to take our daughter 12 on a three-week road trip to BC from Ontario. I am not opposed to her going on a vacation with her dad, but she doesn't want to go. He's never taken her for more than three or four days in the last 10 years. And for the last year, she doesn't even want to go with the weekend for him. She asks to come home and only stays for one night. 
I told her she needs to talk to him and tell him how she feels, but she's afraid to. Every time she tells him she wants to come home, he gets angry and makes her feel bad for not wanting to be with him. My daughter is afraid to go against her dad, so I feel I need to speak up for her, but I don't know how to approach this without it starting World War III. Thank you for reading it for your advice. Well, I, you know, I'm, first of all, can I just say, um, I think your first position here of saying that, you know, I don't want to, um, speak her voice that when we look at relationships we want to make sure that we don't get into triangulation whereby we pull other people in to do our bidding do our speaking and and you're doing a really good uh, part at at standing back and not doing that but you know with kids we also have to look at where is that thin line between saying there is a power differential and they need somebody to advocate for them um, and not abandon them because of the power differential and when do we encourage them and tell them to dig deep and to say you know what, you can do this. You you can handle a relationship. I'm interested to know that this, a couple things. One is, what's happened in the past that in their relationship uh, that they've never done more than the three or four, the three or four days? It sounds like he hasn't had like a one week or a two week. Like he's going, he's going right from one day to three weeks. That does seem like a bit of a jump. But at the same time, maybe this trip is like a one in a lifetime thing. Um, so I would want to talk to her a little bit about what's holding her back because there may be some things that you haven't thought of. It is it because she's not going to be able to be with her friends and her friends are all going to camp and she's going to have to give up camp? That would be one issue. It could also be, you know, she's 12. She's going through puberty. Maybe the idea of like sharing hotel rooms across the country with her dad and, you know, how do you, you know, or, how do I use the bathroom and put on my pajamas and get to bed and have discretion? You know, am I okay with that? Is she suddenly getting shy about that now that uh, she's a pubescent? So could be that. Um, is it that she, uh, you know, has some grudge against her dad and she just doesn't feel close to him? Because what I want to get across to her is that those are all things that can be solved. You know, um, you can you can talk to your friends every night. You know, we'll make sure that you've got a cell phone so that you can text or do social media with them. And, you know, here's how you handle discretion and privacy in a hotel room if that's something that you're worried about. These are problems that just need solutions. But it really, I think, comes down to what's happened with their relationship that she's wanting to not be with him. And the only way to, to, to get to the bottom of a relationship is to realize that it's an investment. And he seems eager. He's reaching out. He wants to be with her. He's disappointed when she rebukes him. And so she could be made aware that she could be part of rebuilding this relationship. And, um, and that interestingly, sometimes when you get stuck in a relationship and, you know, you need to spend time and have shared experiences and hear the stories behind the kind of masks and facades that we wear to realize, oh my gosh, you know, um, this person I didn't think I was going to like, I they have a backstory too. They're really a human. We shared such a laugh when we were in the car and we got that flat tire and, you know, then this couple had to pick us up and their dog was like sick on my lap and these are the, the things that can be relationship building. So there's a real opportunity there if she can see, if she can get excited about it. And so um, maybe that's part of it. Does she does she know what's going to happen on this trip? Has she helped plan it? Could she, could she help look at a map and start saying, well, you know, look, we could see this in Saskatchewan and we could see this in, in Vancouver and kind of get her a little more excited about the project. So, so I hope that's helpful. I do think, again, you don't, you might speak to your ex and say, do you really want to be with a miserable 12-year-old for a whole trip too? <laughs> um, we really got to get her on board for her to go or she can 
she can make it miserable. Um, and so um, I would come at, come at trying to, again, win her cooperation and get her enthusiasm going and see if there's some other way that he can get some longer time in. I don't want to see her saying, I don't want to be with my dad and getting rescued every time, you know, that uh, on those weekends when she calls and says, I want to leave and she gets picked up. Um, that's I'm sure that's hurtful to him as opposed to, oh, I'm sorry, he's your dad, work it out, work on the relationship, you know, go and have a good time or have a bad time, but this is his visitation week, stay put. So she's sort of been indulged with this exiting strategy, and uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to see that come to an end um, and hopefully get some enthusiasm around this holiday. Could be Could be wonderful. So thanks for the question. Hope that helps. And my last question, I'm not going to read the, it's it's long and it's a follow-up from, I do Facebook Lives on Thursdays, and I started a discussion um, with one of the Facebook Live participants, and she wanted to know more, and the session was over, so she continued on with this uh, request and said that I, um, uh, she said, please uh, share with me how you, to handle this, feel free to use it on the podcast. And so... There's a more detail here than is going to be helpful, but what I can basically say is that she's got a daughter, 23, who has uh, got a boyfriend who's 18, and the two of them um, spend, they work at the same job, and they have basically moved into her house. And um, so she's saying that she's tracking the number of times that they're together at her house versus going to the boy's house with his parents. And they just did a 60-day streak and only two days at his place. And the the reason being is that her daughter says she doesn't like his mother, that it's nicer at her house. And of course, you know, she's got a nice house and she's got a pool. And um, I've spoken to her in the past about the fact that at 23, um, since she's not contributing around the house and she's not paying rent and she needs to get she needs to get launched. She needs to get a job and earn enough money to pay for her rent and food and 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 this level of dependency on her. She needs to get cut off the mother teat. You know, we say a fat dog don't hunt. And she's not uh, she's getting too much service and too much dependency from mom. So it's not gonna end until mom cuts her off. But the problem is, and this is happening with a lot of our generation that are younger. If the job job market isn't there, you know, where are they going to work? What are they going to do? But she's got some kind of a job that she's working with this fella. Um, and so I would treat this as a, he's a tenant. If he's there for 60 days, he needs to be pitching in and doing chores like everybody else. And he needs to be paying for food. And I would be sharing back with him. Um, and you can talk to him directly. She's She talks to her daughter, but she doesn't think that that she's sharing the information with her boyfriend. You can talk to him directly and say, listen, you're, you're a great company and I enjoy having you here, but there are conditions. Um, and these are the conditions. Just speak to him directly and say, and part of it is, um, I want to make sure that I am not... Uh, help aiding and abetting and you evading a relationship with your parents at 18. Um, I want to make sure that things are good there and um, and that you're also spending time with your parents just in the name of them missing you and 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 your relationship with them and what the expectation is for for getting to know them and spending time with them. Um, and so um, she also mentions here that um, there's the the father has recently died just in the in the last year, and so this there's also um. Uh, the daughter says that this person gives her a lot of comfort. Um, so even though the mother's not thrilled with the relationship, um, you know, my guess is 
that um, right now that needing comfort might be blinding her to the quality of that relationship, or if she finds that um, that this this is her anchor in this time, then then that's a healing thing for her, and we should try to get behind it. Um, not with disrespect to your boundaries, not with disrespect to your personal space. She says there's a lot of um, personal dis- uh, PDAs all day long, uh, and that she you know grew up with sisters and had daughters, and she's not used to having a boy around the house. And again, mutual respect. You know, when we talk about making agreements for living together, we need to take everybody's um, everybody's position into consideration. That's what cooperating is. And so you say, well, you know, you guys really like to be touchy-feely, and I think that's lovely, but I also don't constantly want to feel like I'm, you know, intruding into watching you have private moments. It feels, it feels invasive to me. So how can we work that out together? Um, and just turn that into a, a discussion, not forcing, not making, not arbitrarily saying there will be no kissing in the kitchen under my roof, but saying, where's the, where's the where's the common ground for us all to be happy together, right? How do we cooperate with one another so that you can get in your affection and I can get in my my sense of of privacy and not wanting to be an observer? Um, you know, happens. And, you know, you can joke and poke fun of yourself. Say, Look, it's different. When you, parents never want to think that their kids are sexual. You, you want to think of them as your babies forever, right? You know, if I if I had a boyfriend and brought them around after dad died and I was necking and holding hands and touching them and squeezing their bum all the time, how would it feel for you? And um, and usually kids are like, ooh, yeah, I guess I, guess I wouldn't like that. Um, and um, so I think that's, uh, at this point, that's sort of the best that you can do. And, um and see if they can come to the table and have a conversation about this. And if you can't get them engaged in the conversation and working working this through in a way that feels fair and equitable and respects his family, respects your boundaries, respects your resources, then you can at least say, well, I just need you to know that I'm okay with this arrangement, but it ends when it ends. And then they'll have to scramble and maybe they'll move into his house or maybe they'll, you know, live in the world's worst apartment in, you know, they'll figure out how to live on whatever salary they have or they'll figure out they've got to get two jobs, two crappy jobs. Um, But it's not going to happen until you cut them off. So I would have an end date to this arrangement and an expectation for what this more equitable, respectful um, contribution to the household um, and behaviors that are agreeable to all. And honor that end date. If she thinks that she can just walk on you, that you don't, you, you know, you got to say what you mean, mean what you say, and follow through with it. And a lot of kids, if, if we haven't got a history of following through, this might be a big sh- wake-up call for her. I would say uh, probably with the loss of her dad, it might be a tough year for you to feel like you want to set those boundaries. Um, so you might want to work with the help of a counselor so that you can feel supported as you're making this journey of both supporting her and launching her at the same time in a year of grief. So I hope that's helpful. And uh, thanks so much for your questions, people. And again, send them in anytime. The contact information is in the show notes. We'll see you soon. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast. So thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.